0: We are in week three of our series leading up to Christmas called Hope Breaks Through. Come on church, let's give a huge welcome to Pastor Megan. Good morning. Are we all doing good this morning? Good, how about that wind last night? Anybody else lose electricity? Anybody, a few of us, a few of us lucky ones last night? my kids were terrified they wouldn't go to bed but all is well this morning awesome well as you know from the video we had our carols and cocoa event that happened about a week and a half ago and that was really fun if you were there I'm sure that you had a good time, too, because I was still buzzing from that for days afterward. It was so much fun. My kids loved it, and so many people that I had never seen at that event, which was awesome. Um, and then of this last week, we actually had our Word of Life Christian Academy concerts and their play, and it was incredible. They did such a good job. Any Wolka families in here? Yes, it was so good. I had a chance to be there with the beginner gardeners and the pre-K, and they were so cute. They were so, so cute. And Tom got a chance to be there with the kindergarten all the way up through seventh graders, and they were—I heard it was awesome. I heard they did such a wonderful job. But I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I think everybody loves Christmas. Is there anybody who doesn't love Christmas? Anybody? Anybody? All right. You probably wouldn't say anything if you did, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so Christmas is just a wonderful time of the year. I I feel like in this season, I usually feel a little bit extra cheery. There's like nostalgia that kind of happens. You start to think back on your childhood. You have traditions that you kind of bring up through your childhood. And, you know— um, One of the things that I know we do in our family, and I'm sure that some of you do this as well, is you have certain stories that kind of just make their way up through the years. They're the things that you kind of relive at Christmas time. And so I wanna share one of my Christmas stories with you guys. Um, This happened in my childhood. So this was when I was little. So I was probably about four years old and my brother Timothy was about three years old. And for that Christmas, We decided, my parents decided to take us to my grandfather's house for Christmas. We were gonna stay the night there, and my little brother loved Christmas, like, absolutely loves Christmas. And so he was so concerned that Santa wouldn't find him. He was afraid that Santa would show up at our house, we wouldn't be there, and he wouldn't get his presents. That was like all consuming for him. So we get to my grandfather's house for Christmas Eve service, and all of a sudden we hear our Christmas Eve. I'm sorry, my grandfather celebrates Christmas on Christmas Eve, anybody else celebrate on Christmas Eve in here? A few people. And then my family, we celebrated on Christmas Day. So we're there, we're celebrating on Christmas Eve and we hear a knock on the door and in walks Santa. And my brother just got this big grin on his face and he just looked up and he goes, Santa, you found me. And that is a story we tell even to this day, and it brings a smile on our face. And it is a story you will hear from my extended family as well. It's one of those that just kind of stands out. So, over the last couple weeks, you know, we've been talking about this Christmas series, Hope Breaks Through, which I've been loving being a part of that. And as Tom said, this was something we were thinking about of quite a while ago, several months ago, about what we thought that this time and that should be about. Like, what should we focus on this Christmas? And we decided hope was the one. So the first week, Tom talked about God as being our source of hope. That sometimes we look to other sources to be our hope, but God should be our source of hope. The second week, we talked about the shepherds. We talked about hope for the forgotten those who weren't expecting, but still God chose to reveal His Son to them. But what about those who were expectant? What about those who had been waiting their whole entire lives? What about the ones who were waiting on God's promises and having no indication of when breakthrough would happen, of when this promise would happen? They continued to believe for the Messiah, but didn't know when this was going to happen. Hundreds and hundreds of years of waiting for the Messiah. And we can relate to this, right? We can relate to seasons in our life where we're going through difficult times, and we know God's promises, but we don't know when they're going to happen. And we have to put our hope Forward and trust that God is going to deliver on his promises and that there is hope regardless of the things that go on around us. His hope is tested while waiting on the promises of God. Hope is tested while waiting on the promises of God. See, the Jewish people would have known what it was like to wait on the promises of God, they faced many difficulties while waiting on the promise of the Messiah. And last week, Tom shared the reality that some Jewish people didn't live driven with a hope in the Messiah, but there were many that were expectant. There were many who placed their whole entire lives around the coming of the Messiah and hoping for him. There were Jews that were so expectant, and today we're going to kind of look at a couple of those who were faithful those who were expectant for the Messiah, who had centered their whole entire lives around this. So we're going to look at Luke 2 today. We're going to start in verse 21. It says, Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, his, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice, or the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So you see that eight days after Jesus is born, he's circumcised. Now, These ceremonies that they're talking about would have happened 40 days after Jesus is born. So Jesus is 40 days old, and he's brought into this temple. All these things are outlined, all these ceremonies are outlined in the Old Testament. But Jesus is presented in the temple. Specifically, Zerubbabel's temple, the Jerusalem temple. And I want to look at the temple for a few minutes because it's really important when we look at the hope of the Messiah and what the Jewish people had been through. So if we go back 600 years before Jesus is born, or about 600 years, we see that that Solomon's temple, if you guys remember Solomon's temple, I know Tom spoke on the temple a while back, but Solomon's temple is looted and destroyed by the Babylonians. And they knew this was gonna happen Because if you remember, Jeremiah prophesied that this was going to happen. They were going to be exiled. So the destruction of the temple starts the exile of the Jewish people. And then, so about seven, and actually, just this temple in general, I want to talk about that because the temple was everything to the Jewish people. We have this ability now, right, to connect directly to God. We have this ability. In fact, it says that we are the temple. But this temple represented so much to the Jewish people. It represented the place of worship for them. It was the place where they made sacrifices, where they atoned for their sins, where God inhabited that space. That's where his presence dwelt. And yet, when they're going into exile, all of that is taken away from them. So this was a big deal. This would have been the worst time for the Jewish people. And then 70 years after Babylon takes over and takes them into captivity, we have the Persians come in and they defeat Babylon. And they say to the Jewish people, you can go back, you can go back into Jerusalem. And they appoint Zerubbabel as as Judah's governor. And he immediately starts rebuilding the temple. But after two years, he stopped. He starts, the Persians say, we're no longer supporting this. And it stays at that just base level construction for 17 years. Imagine that. They start to regain their hope. And then everything's put on pause. They walk by a construction site every day, still unable to offer sacrifices to God. And still unable to connect with God. So then about 19 years go by and the temple's finally built. The temple they finally, Zerubbabel, starts construction again and it's rebuilt. However, the older Jewish people are so disappointed because it's taken 19 years for this temple to come about. And it is nothing in comparison to Solomon's temple. You can't even compare the two at all. 19 years, and this is what they have to account for. This is what they have to offer God. So they're disappointed. But nevertheless, they're able to actually start offering their sacrifices and worshiping God in the temple again. And you can read about this further in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. So then 350 years later... 350 years of having their temple again. Zerubbabel's temple is desecrated. And we know this to be the abomination of desolation. And what the abomination of desolation was, the pagans came in it and they started offering pagan sacrifices on the Jewish altar. And when we talk about pagan sacrifices, we're talking about pigs. They start sacrificing pigs. And as we know in the Jewish culture and even today Jewish people do not eat pigs. Pigs are an unclean animal, and the only sacrifices allowed in the temple are clean animals that go through all sorts of checks, right? So there are these pigs being offered. So they're unable to use their temple anymore because it is no longer clean. It is no longer holy. And then we have a few late years later, the Maccabees come in and there's this revolt. And then they spend eight days rebuilding the altar. And when they rebuild the altar, course of eight days, they also consecrate it back to God and are able to reuse the altar and the temple. This is known as the Feast of Hanukkah. And we know that usually by the oil that didn't run out, but it was the feast of dedication. It was the dedica- rededicating of the temple. It also stood for the political independence and the freedom to worship because the Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, they had freedom again. The Jewish people were able to live, have independence again. And we fast forward 60 years before Jesus is born, Rome conquers Jerusalem. Rome comes in after they've had a hundred years of independence and conquers Jerusalem. And this brings us up to the point of Rome installing Herod as the king. And when he installs Herod as the king, we know Herod as Herod the Great. We know Herod as the Herod who decreed that all baby boys should be murdered when Jesus is born. But before this time, he starts to rebuild the temple. The Jews knew what it was like to hope, have it taken away, only to hope again and have it taken away, all while having this promise of the Messiah to come. It took hundreds of years of waiting on this Messiah, God's promise of hope for the Jewish people. And then you have Joseph Mary and Jesus enter this temple. They enter this temple, the temple that Zerubbabel built. Well, there's construction going on around it. And they walk out and they meet two people. And these two people I want to talk about today. So in Luke 2.25-33, through 33, this is what it says. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. If he had been disobedient or too busy, he might have missed out on God's promise, the promise that he had Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul." It's not a coincidence that Simeon prophesied in the temple. It is the most sacred place for God's people. The first time, this is actually the first time that Luke records the promise that Jesus is the hope for both the Jews as well as all the other nations on earth, in other words, Gentiles. In other words, us. However, this hope, this promise, it wouldn't be accepted by everyone. What Simeon prophesies will come to pass. We know this, right? Because we know the rest of the story. People would reject Jesus' message, but others would have their lives changed. And Mary would be there at the cross watching her son die a horrific death. And then we move on to Anna in Luke 2:36 through 38. Anna a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was taking, talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. See, Anna had dedicated her whole entire life to the temple. She didn't remarry after widowed at a young age, but she was living in the temple. So she was praying and fasting every day and night, waiting. And she is representative, and so is Simeon. They represent the nation of Israel, this expectant hope. Jesus was their promise fulfilled. See, they, the Jewish people had been expecting the Messiah through many, many, many seasons. Some seasons were wonderful, and a lot of them were terrible. And there were a lot of seasons where it would have been easy to lose hope. And we have seasons like this where it is easy to lose hope. It's easy to forget about the promises of God and what is to come. And easy to get caught up in the season we're at when everything else is pointing to the opposite of God's promises. But expectant hope breaks through our highs and lows. Expectant hope breaks through our highs and lows. It doesn't matter what season we face hope can still break through it. Whether the temple is operating or whether it's not operating, hope breaks through. Whether there's political peace or political turmoil, hope still breaks through. So there are a few things that I want to go through that I truly believe that expectant hope does. The first thing is expectant hope overflows. And we saw this in Roman, the Romans verse from a couple of weeks ago when Tom was speaking on God as our source. It says, I pray that God, in Romans 15, 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That you will overflow with confident hope. That if we place... God as our source of hope, then we will overflow with confident hope. That sounds like a promise to me. And we talked about this again last week with the shepherds who encountered the angels and then were able to see the baby, Jesus. And we see this again this week with Anna. She couldn't help but tell everyone the hope that she had overflowed out of her She knew it was for everyone, and everybody should know. Your hope isn't just for you. It affects everyone. It affects those around you. But the flip side of this is, if you are struggling with hope, if you're struggling to find hope, then get yourself around an Anna or a Simeon or a shepherd, someone who has this hope. Surround yourself with them. Not talking about people with shallow optimism or people who deny reality, but people who found a deep confidence in the promises of God, their hope that is is sourced in God. They're anchored to his promises. People who, like Anna and Simeon, have spent decades of confidently trusting God and have found him to be faithful. We all go through seasons where we struggle with hope. So surround yourself with someone who is overflowing with hope. When I probably, I guess, maybe like four or five years ago, I was looking for a special needs group that I could join of moms, because I was really struggling, and I just needed somebody to share hope with me. And I was still pretty, fairly new to um, the community and my kids' diagnoses, and I went into this group. So excited to just hear about parents' victories and the things that they'd seen in their kids. And instead, I went into that group and I found very much the opposite. And I remember leaving that group thinking, feeling less hopeful than I did when I went in. So, you know what I did? I stopped going to that group because I didn't need that in my life. See, if the loudest voices in your life tend to lean more negative or have no hope themselves, it will affect your hope. It will affect your hope. There's no way around it. And again, we're not talking about fake optimism. We're not talking about somebody that no matter what's going on in your life, they're gonna kind of just gloss over all of your difficulties and challenges that's not what we're talking about we're talking about people who are going to come alongside of you and they may cry with you they may weep with you but again they're still going to point you back to hope right these are the people that we need to surround ourselves and if you're one of those people you're in a you're just in a season where you feel super hopeful and you just are so grounded in your hope then don't keep it to yourself Don't keep it to yourself. I hope that as a church and as a community, that when people come here, that they find a group of people ready to come alongside them and to rebuild their God-centered hope. We need people to help others find hope. So not only does expectant hope overflow, but expectant hope endures. And this week I was reading a few um, psychology reports. I like to do that from time to time. And um, it was interesting because psychology agrees with what the Bible says. And so I want to read a couple of things out to you. In psychology today, it says... Research indicates that hope can help us manage stress and anxiety and cope with adversity. It contributes to our well-being and happiness and motivates positive action. Some good stuff, right? One person claps, everyone's got a clap. And then Newport Academy, this is what it says, this one was my favorite one. In frightening and uncertain times, it's hard to feel hopeful but studies show that having hope for the future helps build our resilience. The ability to get through tough times and recover more quickly from setbacks. Moreover, hope can help ward off or reduce anxiety, trauma, and depression. That it builds our resilience. Yeah. go ahead. It builds our resilience. It makes it so that the next time we face a difficult time, that it's easier to get through that time. Hope keeps us anchored to the future rather than to the circumstances. And then Spurgeon, who is a preacher from the 19th century in London. And Tom told me to say he's my second favorite British preacher. So can can you give him his laugh? I told him you guys would all know that was his joke, not mine. Anyways, this is what Spurgeon says. He says, Hope kindled by a divine promise affects the entire life of a person in their inmost thoughts, ways, and feelings. It may seem to be of less importance than correct moral behavior, but in truth, it is of vital importance. Not only in itself, but also in that which it produces Uh, produces upon the mind, heart, and life. The inner hope of a person is a truer test of their condition before God than their actions of any one day or even the public devotions of a year. That's good, right? So hope is something that's inward and it does wonders for our mind, our hearts, and our life. Hope is so important, but one of the things about all three of these quotes, none of them say hope is easy. In fact, it's very hard. It doesn't mean it's easy, and it also doesn't mean that our hope always turns out exactly how we think it will. See, the Jewish people endured many seasons and had this preset idea. They thought that the Messiah would help them rebuild their physical temple and help them regain independence but the hope of the Messiah was greater than this. The temple would reside in us and the Messiah would be for everyone. So hope looked different, but it was greater. It was beyond their understanding. We endure when we have hope that God's promises are true. Right? We endure when we have hope that God's promises are true. When we know he's going to come through, when we believe what he says, we can endure. So we have expectant hope overflows. Expectant hope endures. Expectant hope keeps us centered on the promises of God. So for Anna, it kept her in the temple waiting because she was centered on God's promises she was able to stay in the temple waiting for Simeon it kept him ready when the holy spirit led him to the temple see it would be it was 700 years before that isaiah would prophesy about jesus birth before mary and joseph took their trip to bethlehem in isaiah 9:6 It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isn't that a beautiful promise? What more could you hope for, right? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah. There are over 40 prophecies in Isaiah alone that were made and fulfilled about the life of Jesus. But 100 years after Isaiah, Jeremiah prophesies that they are about to go into exile. So they have all these wonderful promises, and now they're being told they're going into exile because of their own disobedience. It's a season of their own making. They've been warned over and over and over again, and that they kept going and being disobedient. But what's interesting about this is that as you have this doom coming, and the Babylonians are about to destroy Solomon's temple, this is what it says in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11. for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We love to share this verse at happy times. I think probably when I graduated high school, I probably had this verse in about 10 of my cards. And... We like to give it to people when they're moving on to something new or they're taking a new job or maybe they're moving across the country. Whatever it may be, we love to give this verse to them. But this verse was given to them when they're about to go into the worst of the worst. He gives this verse to them. And it's a season of their own making. And yet, this is what he's saying. This is what God is saying. I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. In other words, my promises are still true. My promises are still as true yesterday as they are today. They're as true yesterday as they are tomorrow. It doesn't matter what we've chosen for the season. If we walked into the season willingly, it doesn't change God's promises. And if this is a season that you didn't choose, the same is still true the same is still true, that God's promises are still just as true. There's nothing you can do that changes God's promises. So whether you're going into a rough season or going into a good season, God's promises are still true. So yeah, go, you can clap. God's promises are worth clapping for. So, we know that expectant hope overflows, expectant hope endures, and expectant hope keeps us centered on the promises of God. Expectant hope breaks through our highs and lows. Anna and Simeon were old enough to know this. They remember the Romans when they took over and occupied Jerusalem. They would have been there when they had their own independence and then had their independence taken away. They would have been young adults at that time, most likely. Anna knew the pain of being a widow at a young age. And we don't know the details about Simeon, but we know that he was ready to die once the promise was fulfilled. See, we know what it's like to be there. And so do the Jewish people and so does God. Your season is no surprise to God. It's no surprise. In the temple that day, Mary and Joseph encountered two people and they represent the hope that Jewish people had in the Messiah, hope in the promises of God. I truly believe that if we live like these things are true, it will change the seasons that we go through It'll change the people around us when they go through difficult seasons. If we know that expectant hope overflows, then we surround ourselves with people who have expectant hope when it's hard. We look for opportunities to share our hope with others. When we know that expectant hope endures, we choose to anchor ourselves in hope in seasons of endurance. We choose that going into a season we don't let the season take control. As Tom said a couple of weeks, we know that our source is God, that we find hope in our source who is God, not our seasons. If we believe that expecting hope keeps us centered on the promises of God, then we stay centered on His promises regardless of the season we are in. That may mean that you have to write out God's promises, the things that God has promised you. You may have to put a reminder on your phone that goes off at a certain time every single day that reminds you of what God says. It may mean that every single morning when you wake up, you have a list next to your bed. It may mean that you have a friend that calls you every week just to remind you of God's promises do whatever you need to do to stay centered on the promises of God and lastly expectant hope breaks through our highs and lows if we understand that we know that hope will always break through that means that regardless of our current circumstance regardless if this has been one circumstance after another circumstance after another circumstance we know that hope will still break through that all. We know the ending of the story, right? We don't control the ending of the story. Our, like our circumstances don't, they don't dictate our end of our story, God does. And God is victorious, therefore we know we are victorious, right? We're we're about ready to go back into a song. We're going to sing how God's promises are yes and amen. And I know, I know that there are some serious heartbreaks going on in this room. I know that there are heartbreaks that I don't know about, but I know that there's a lot of them that I have, uh, that I do know. And I just, I believe that God has something for you today. And I believe that hope is always present. It's always at the center of it. Even when it feels like hope is lost, even when it feels like hope doesn't exist, it is still there. And so when we go back into the song, whether you aren't sure if you believe it or not, that God's promises for you specifically are yes and amen, I want you to declare that song because God's promises were there for the people of Israel as they're going into exile, a season that they chose they're still true for you there's nothing you could possibly do that means that they're not true for you so if you'll stand to your feet and we're going to go back into the song and we're going to declare God's promises here in a few minutes Tom's going to come out here and it's going to be great so let's sing this song and the prayer team is up here if you really if you want to you can come up for prayer during this time there will be also a response after this, a time for response after this. Thank you. Hey, thanks for checking out the message this week from Pastor Megan. We pray that you are challenged and encouraged by the word this week. And wherever you're at with your walk with Christ, there is a great next step for you. Maybe it's joining a life group, getting involved on a team, or participating in one-on-one spiritual coaching. All of these opportunities and so much more can be found on our website. That's www.wordoflifeag.org.